Welcome to the Crack and Chat podcast, where you'll be entertained, informed, or inspired. Today on the podcast, I have Ryan Smith, who is currently the chair of the College Republicans for the state of Utah. In this episode, we have a conversation about the political state of America, current issues that we're facing, as well as possible solutions. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get started. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan, for for coming on today. I'm really looking forward to having a chat with you. Um, Like I was talking about earlier, I think if you could just go through kind of your background, what got you to where you are, how you became the chair of the president of college Republicans, what kind of motivated you to do that? I think that'd be really interesting to kind of understand more about. Yeah, no, I've, I've always liked politics. I think since I was, I still remember watching all of the Republican like primary debates in 2016 for that election with my dad, I was like 14 or 15. And then I did we the people which is like, kind of like debate, um, but more a little bit different, but you, you learn about the Constitution, and you're kind of doing a forum and, and presenting on the Constitution, and they ask you questions. But anyways, I did that in high school. And then I've just always liked politics, always wanted to be involved. Uh, even in between, I came home from an LDS mission. And in between uh, I going out again, I actually campaigned for a state legislator who ousted another guy. Um, and now he's he is the state legislator. And then I was his campaign manager this last time. So I just always liked politics. I don't know. I think you're able to, I think people think they can't make as big an impact as they actually can, I guess would be why I enjoy doing it. And I just, I don't know. I really just care about our state, our community, our country. And I, I enjoy being involved. It's kind of addictive, maybe a little bit, but it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah. What What's addictive about it? Or like, and and more on like, what, how do you feel like you're doing good, right? Because I've, I've heard that a lot from people. It's like, oh, why should I vote? My vote doesn't matter. Like, especially in states that aren't swing states. Yeah. You hear that a lot. That's like, oh, well, these people are going to be put in no matter what. Kind of what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good question. Cause I, you hear that a lot. And, and, and I'm not trying to negate, like, obviously you don't have to be as involved as I am. You know, we don't need everyone in the whole United States doing uh being the most involved politically people we just need them to be sensible but i think there's a lot of practicality so i'm in business right i like business i like entrepreneurship paul you know you're in business so there's a lot of like overlap like if you have good connections and relationships with with business and and politics there's a lot of overlap so one of the greatest things i got out of college funnily enough is um is literally just being involved politically being the chair of college republicans at utah state for two years being the chair now for the whole state like i have a great relationship with our new congresswoman celeste malloy like like and then blake moore from our district here i have a really good relationship with them both and so i talk with them regularly and so and then with a lot of state legislators and it's just fun it's fun that that it does matter and especially if you're going into business or other things, it's good to have some, I don't say influence in like a negative way, but just to be able to have good connections. Um, It's fun when someone says, Hey, I need to have this bill worked on or something I would like to have changed. And you're like, well, I can actually connect you to someone and I can help you get that done. So I don't know. 
it's fun for me. I uh, I know it's not for everyone, but I think at the minimum you should be reading the news and understand stuff and look at look at how dangerous it is not to understand. You look at our generation. In my opinion, um, I think the Israel Hamas were over the age of forty. Like ninety five percent of you support Israel. If you're under the age of like you know twenty five, half of you think that that you should support Palestine and Hamas. That's why it's dangerous when we're uneducated. Is we allow anti-Semitism to grow. We allow, you know, I mean, Hitler was supported by a lot of youth. So, you know, the youth are easy, easily moldable and we need to be uh, intelligent or else we allow evil to prosper. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I've noticed that too, right? Just generally and how our society is going. And that's really what I wanted to get into you with and have a conversation about like, what are the biggest problems that we're facing politically moving forward in the future? right? That these future generations are going to face? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Well, I, I guess if we uh, more conversational, maybe I want to hear yours first, maybe I want to hear a couple of things you see, and then I'll give mine. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I think that you have a lot better, like of a platform or like, vision of especially politically what's going on in the United States. Um, I follow politics to some extent, but not very much like I'm not super ingrained in like, the details of it mm-hmm. but i think overall like broadly speaking like what are some of the, like the big challenges that are facing i think that there is a big problem with um like mental health and those kind of issues that we see mm-hmm. and i think that to some extent that affects um things politically as well right i think yeah. that's why we see the world going the way it is and like pushing so hard and almost like pushing so hard against it and i think and with that comes all this like polarization. I know that I had you on my my last podcast, and that's something that we talked about a lot. Um, but I think that that's a huge problem is people not willing to talk to each other, right? I think I see that as probably the biggest issue currently. And that's one of the reasons why I have the podcast I have, right? It's to have conversations with whoever to hopefully mitigate, do what I can do to mitigate the fact that people aren't willing to talk to anybody that they disagree with. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, what you're talking about. And I think that brings it up like one of the first ones I wanted to talk about is like free speech, right? I've always said this. I can disagree with someone on just about any issue. We can have a conversation, uh, given if they're racist or something, I'm, I'm just not going to agree to disagree on something like that. But on most issues, right, we can agree to disagree. How do you even begin to agree to disagree if that person doesn't think you have the right to voice your opinion? And you don't believe in free speech. And that's why I think that's 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 an issue. I cannot agree to disagree with people. If you're unwilling to allow conservatives to come on campus to speak, and for that matter, if you're not willing to allow, um, you know, a communist or a socialist to come and speak, look, I don't agree with them, but do they have the right to come and voice their opinion? Yes. There's a quote that says the best way to defeat, you know, bad ideas is to present better ideas. And so... That's something we have to remember as a college, as a society is open our ears, listen to what other people have to say and let them talk. You know, just at the University of Utah, they blocked uh, a showing of a, of a film um, that talks about transgenderism. And I know it's a talk, it's a very combative issue. And maybe there's a better way we could go about probably talking about it. But shouting down the opposition and saying, hey, and, and not allowing them to present something and have a meeting is just not the right strategy. Instead, let's have conversation. If if you truly believe that this is hate and this is these are things, 
that aren't good, which I think is a, a misconception um, for a lot of people. But if you believe that, then then the best way is to become friends with these people. If you become friends with them, they'll realize that, oh, maybe maybe I do have some some bad opinions on this. So I think free speech is is a huge one. I'll go through a couple more, but but I don't know what your thoughts are on that, uh, Paul. No. Yeah, obviously that's a huge issue. And I think that's the big problem. Like what I was saying earlier, right, with the polarization, I think the biggest problem is that it's become polarized to the point where I, nobody's willing to talk to anybody anymore. It's a, oh, if I disagree with you, it, you're wrong. And I'm not willing to entertain any thought or conversation with you. And I think that to your point, that's exactly correct. That's, it's because people, I, I think that there's been a less of a value on free speech in recent years relative to past years, which is a, a huge problem. Yeah, no, I think it is. And I think that's a domestic issue that we see specifically, meaning, you know, it's the United States. That's what we're seeing here. And then if we go on more like a geopolitical, like, yeah. dangerous, How does you know, that we teach, let, let's look at China. Let's look at these, mm-hmm. these authoritarian governments that are not just repressing their people, but starting to become um, aggressive in the world stage. And I mean, when we see China, their, 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 their hands are, are going around the world. They're trying to grasp for power. They're, they're going into the South, the South China Pacific sea. They've got a lot of ships there. They're trying to control some of the trading routes. They're trying to exert influence in South America. They're exerting influence in our very country. And some people, Oh, you're being conspiratorial. No, like China literally has spies in the United States. No, China, China has people who support the communist party who are living in the United States who are spying for China, who, who, I mean, they literally buy our land, they buy stuff. I mean, why, why are we allowing them to do this? I mean, it really frustrates me. I mean, there should be a federal ban on the Chinese communist party from purchasing land for agriculture in the United States and and a lot of other things, because it's not Italy. It's not the UK. It's China. China has a very different vision for the world. This is a vision of oppression. And do we, as the United States, want to be okay with the vision of oppression? Do we want to stand and allow China to exert influence, Russia to exert influence? No, these are countries that are our enemy, ultimately. I wish that it wasn't that way. And I think 99% of the Chinese people are great people. But the people at the top are, are oppressive. I mean, they perform genocide against Uyghur Muslims in Western China. And so as far as geopolitically, I think one of our, our greatest threats is, is China. We need to be strong as a country. We need to be strong against Russia. We need to be strong against China. We need to be strong in the Middle East. I mean, I think we have a president currently who uh, I've I've agreed with some of the things he's done. I'm not going to deny. I agree with some things um, that he's done foreign policy wise. But I also think we look weak. We have a president that that's that's too old. Um, and given that I think Trump's a bit old as well. So I think we need new leadership that's, you know, maybe under 65 years old to 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 lead our country uh, instead of getting into these uh, 80, 80 plus, uh, because it kind of makes I think it makes us look weak as a nation. And and we're, and since Biden's taken office, Russia's invaded um, and then Hamas is attacked and we look weak on a world stage. I'm not certain that China won't be next to to attack Taiwan. So. Um, we need a strong president. I'm hoping in 2024, we we elect a strong president. I want to go back to your point on kind of China and what role they have in the United States. Like, what do you think the balance is there, right? Because you can't just, or maybe that is what you, 
you see as the solution, right? You can't, can we just put a band on a certain group of people? Or does that again, go kind of contrary to the beliefs of the United States? Like, where is that balance? Because I see, right, like, in my mind, that's one of the issues that's, you don't want to go too far either way. Yeah. So how does that that balance look or, or work? Have you, like, how do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. I mean, that's the whole basis of a lot of policy issues. It's how do we balance liberty with security? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what a lot of stuff when you get to the essence of most policies is how do we balance giving liberty while taking, you know, regulations or yeah. things to, to, to protect our country, to protect the way we do stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a balancing act. I think the danger is we're not talking about countries that we align with. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are countries we don't even align with politically. And so, I mean, we have our business school and they're pretty friendly probably towards towards China. And and it's not a slam against Chinese people or 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 anyone like this. It's it's the Communist Party of China is when I when I refer to China, I'm referring to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my vice yeah, chair of my organization is Chinese, grew up in China his whole life, came to left the, the left to go to the United States, he probably will never get to go to China, he'll be arrested and thrown in jail for becoming a closet Christian and showing the the videos of Tiananmen Square. So I think the United States would become too close with China in some ways, as far as um, and my opinion has probably changed over the years on this, because I just talking with him understanding how evil his country is ultimately, um, and, and not the citizens, the, the government, yeah. and what they do and so i get your point like why should we do we really want to be banning stuff but at the same time their goals are different from ours they want i mean this is a group that steals our patents that goes and produces our stuff that americans have worked for years to create something and then china just steals it rips them off and ships it over here right that's mm-hmm. just wrong and yeah. so yeah it's just it's just a difficult situation but i do think you got to ban certain certain things I mean, they're not going to let us go and do a lot of stuff over there. So why should no, we let them do, do the same stuff, do exert influence? And it's different from someone who's a Chinese person who's like Chinese American. Yeah, obviously, you're not banning them. It's not about the people. It's about the government itself, the Communist Party from purchasing stuff. Yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. That makes sense as you've clarified that a little bit. And I liked the the part where you're, yeah, that is the the balance that we have, right? It's liberties to securities, right? Yeah. Um, it's the reason we have any laws, right? It's to keep people safe. I mean, it's an interesting balance. Like, And I think that's what you see with a lot of the political parties is there's somebody that wants to make more, like it's, and I think you see that with a, like the Republicans versus Democrats, right? On like a very broad aspect, obviously this isn't how it's broken down, but like, as I see it, there's a lot, the Democrats generally are pushing towards more security and the Republicans are pushing towards more liberty. And I think that that's obviously like there's both of those sides on purpose and we need to like those both sides oppose each other so that we can find the good middle ground. And then again, going back to my point, it's just that once we not, we don't no longer speak to each other, that's when we can't find the the common ground Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so I think even building on that, I know you mentioned it already in going into the 2024 election season, right? How, what do you see kind of that atmosphere looking like? Um, it, I think it could be a, a very entertaining election year, which I think I say um, as a negative, 
right? Like I, yeah. I think that politics in some aspect has have become an entertainment event. I think that's why probably one of the reasons why Trump did so well in his first campaign is because he was entertaining to watch, right? Like how how do we balance that? What do you see going into 2024? What do you think that landscape is yeah. going to look like? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I mean, Trump's got 60% right now. He's polling within the Republican Party for the nomination. So you're going to have a hard time Trump not being the nominee, not saying it couldn't yeah. happen, not saying that there's not curveballs that can be thrown. I do think if Trump was the nominee and we voted today on president, I think Trump, Donald Trump would be reelected based off polling. And the reason is because Joe Biden is so unpopular with Hispanic and minority voters that these these I mean, we're we're polling regularly low 40 percent with Hispanic voters. Republicans in the last four elections, we haven't gotten more than like 31, 32 percent. I mean, that's a huge um, swing and that'll help us win elections. I mean, we're polling 15, 20 percent, maybe a black vote, um, which we usually only get 8 percent. So uh, there's a lot of uh, up and up for Republicans minorities ways because I think they're sick of they see how far left. Uh, the the left is gone, and so uh, they're trying to 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 find another group that fits their values, which I think is ultimately the Republican Party. But yeah, you're right. I think it'll be an interesting 2024. I mean, Biden's going to be the nominee. You might have Trump, but you also have, you know, 75 percent nearly of Americans who don't want either. Yeah. When you you know, and so it's 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 tough because you know they both can win within their primaries, but overall, most people wouldn't prefer. Those is the the options. And so that's why you're seeing candidates like uh, Kennedy come out, you know, and Kennedy is literally polling 15, 20 percent. I mean, that's crazy to have a third party polling. I will not be shocked if in 2024, the winner is just over 40 percent of the popular vote um, yeah. because of the way it's split. I mean, that's very well if it's Trump, Biden and Kennedy. Now, if if Nikki Haley was to get the nomination, I think she would pull a lot of votes from Kennedy and other it would shift mm -hmm. probably a little bit if someone other than Trump or other than Biden was the nominee. Um, but if it was that way, it was Trump, Kennedy and Biden and, you know, Cornell West will pick up a few percent. It, it'll be a really interesting uh, election. But I think Trump's Trump's more likely to win. I, I do think we need some younger leadership. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see some better candidates for, for 2024. Um, but that seems to be the way it's the stage is set currently. Yeah. What do you see if if it is Donald Trump, Joe Biden again in 2024? What issues do you think that'll cause in kind of the general populace? Because yeah. because they're both such unpopular candidates. Like obviously Joe Biden isn't a very popular candidate after this year, but he will run again. So that's just it seems like the thing to do, right? Once you have the the, mm -hmm. the gauntlet the presidency. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then on the flip side, and I think to some extent, it seems like Trump has become less popular than he was when he was running initially, or when, even at it was because I feel like because of how his pre presidency ended, he's gotten less popular. Um, and you're right. If we have a president with 40 percent of the vote, how is that going to affect the American population? Yeah, you know, I, I think about it this way. <laughs> If uh, I think they're going to be the nominees, most likely, I think we'll see an impact. I think if if jo Donald Trump wins again, cities will. And I don't say this in an excited or I say this in a very terrible way. 
we will watch our cities literally start burning somewhat because the far left is nuts. I'm sorry. And I'm not discounting the far right isn't crazy as well. January 6th is atrocious that 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 happened. But as far as like an impact around the whole country, like what do we know from George Floyd and, and, and 2020? Like there are people or when Trump won right in 2016, like there are some crazy people that when that happens, if Trump wins, I literally think that you'll see an increase in violence in cities and stuff, which is not Trump's fault. Um, and nor would it be Biden's fault if he won and there's violence, right? Um, but I definitely think that uh, it, it'll be a tense situation in the country either way it goes. But I think we'll see more of an impact in our cities if Trump wins. Um, but I also think uh, I think about my life. I mean, think of, think of your life. Look, Trump, I'm not trying to defend Trump a bunch because his morals are very questionable and uh, he's got his, some problems. But I, I will think about the presidency. I think about what, what was your life like during the four years or as general American under uh, Donald Trump versus under Joe Biden? Well, I can tell you what it is. Uh, we had a booming economy under Trump, not giving him all the credit for that, but we had a booming economy uh, for a lot of local leaders. There was a lot less regulation. Things were a lot simpler. You can talk to a lot of people. I even know people who don't like Trump who will even say that that was one nice thing. Um, I think when Republicans are, are in power, uh, you have a little more liberty, you have a little more freedom, maybe a little less tax. Uh, I think we, our life was a lot better under Donald Trump. Um, and then Joe Biden hits and, and I'm not blaming all of this on him, but you know, our economy went down. I will blame a good chunk of the, the rising cost of gas, which leads to inflation on everything else. His out of control spending, uh, Trump spent a little bit more than I would have liked as well, but I mean, Biden just extended it. I mean, he just spends, 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 prints money, and it's just hurting these fixed income, 65 plus individuals. This is hurting our low income class. And and who's standing up for these people? Well, I think they need to stop looking at the Democrats to stand up for them, because what did they do? They just made your dollar worth way less. And so start looking at the Republican Party, who's going to lead to some economic advancements for for the country. And uh, th that definitely didn't happen with uh, Joe Biden, hence is uh, low support uh, with Hispanics because they're uh, they're typically working class. You know, what about these working class Americans? Who's fighting for them? I think Trump's fighting for working class Americans and the Republicans are a whole heck of a lot more than Joe Biden is. And uh, it doesn't take uh, too much to look at the 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 economy, the geopolitical. I mean, look at what's I mean, look at Afghanistan. I mean, this is a man who was in power. Sorry, I got to go off on this. This is a man who was in power, who literally we, for 20 years or however long, we were in Afghanistan defending the rights of these people. And let's just say you pulled out because that was popular to, to, to get out of Afghanistan. We left people who were murdered and brutalized and killed, who, who came and helped the U.S. while we were in Afghanistan. And we left those people. Joe Biden left those people while he had groups, groups that were sending their own private planes over to Afghanistan to try to rescue um, these individuals who are Afghani, right? But they supported the U.S. Well, what does the Taliban do when they know you've supported the U.S.? Well, they take out a knife and they literally behead people. And, and I don't want to get graphic, but they, that's something that they've done. And and I'm not some of the blood is on Joe Biden. I'm sorry. And, and, and it really is. I mean, the, the way that it was done and and we we it, it disgusts me that we left these people who supported us 
And I don't think it matters what party you are. I think everyone's disgusted with how it ended up happening. It was just a bad situation. And I just don't think Joe Biden is the fit president that we need. I mean, he can't even walk up as, uh, and I respect him as the president, but he quite frankly is fragile, physically is fragile. That being said, I think we need someone under 65 and that's probably not Trump. I'm just saying Joe Biden's a fragile individual. He's just older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that you've, you've made some good points today. I always like talking to you because, you know, you've all, you're obviously uh, well-educated on the issues and you believe in them. Um, so I guess I just want to know what what are our next steps? Like, what's the next steps for America in your eyes? Like, what are we going to do? Well, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a caveat on everything I've said. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. So for your listeners, um, you know, they may be more moderate, and they may say, "Well, I agree a little bit with this," and there's some part parts I disagree. But I I think I I understand the issues pretty well. Um, and I'm not saying Republicans are perfect, and that I agree with every single thing that the Republicans do. But overall, I think that if Republicans take the White House, uh, Republicans are in control of Congress, that we're going to be in a lot better position as a country. I'm saying that as a biased person, and I'll admit that. As a country, I think we have some steps uh, as a people. Um, I think to your point, I think we have to find a way to uh, uh, disagree with each other in a respectful manner talk, have conversations. Um, at the same time, I think we need to also stand for principles. There are principles um, that are important. I it was I the state rep I work with, Representative Peterson, I think says it very well. He says, you know, all this economic issues, they matter. But if the country, you know, goes to to heck, right, then uh, then does all that matter? And so we have to remember how we are culturally and, and you brought this up. We got mental illness. We've got issues in our country. We've got, there's a poem that talks about this. It says, and it basically, the the gist of the poem is, we've got all these great things. We've got bigger highways and big freeways and big buildings and all of this innovation. And yet we have more depression, more anxiety, more issues. So, so why is that? Sometimes more isn't better. Maybe we need to, as a society, get back to some simple things. I think, uh, if I was to leave on one thing that I think we need to fix in society is our uh, family. I think that, and I'm I'm not using an old Republican standard to define how that necessarily looks, but I'm going to say a two-parent household family. We need to get back where we have a, uh, whether that's a mother and a father, a father and a father, a mother and a mother uh, that love their children, that take good care of them, um, and that you have a close unit. Um, that raises their kids, that teaches their kids good values and good moral systems. I think a lot of that needs to come from religion, um, but not saying that it necessarily has to, but you have to find some moral systems to teach your ch- children. And I think as as when American families are strong, America is strong. And a lot of these issues we have, it's just a failure of a family. And uh, because when you have single parent households, which sadly, that's all that some people have. Um, and, and that's not discounting them. There's a lot of hardworking mothers that, that provide for their families, but it makes it harder. And, uh, when you have less strong families, you end up with more crime. You end up with more anxiety and issues because they need that attachment to a loving parents. And so I think as Americans, we got to disagree better and we've got to find a way to strengthen, uh, strengthen family. It's not a political answer. I'm not trying to make a political answer. I'm trying to make a societally social issue answer. 
Because I think a lot of that we need to get outside of it's a Democrat Republican, although I, I can talk that way. And we have to look, how can we be kinder and more helpful to each other and supporting and building strong families and strong communities in the country, regardless of race or ethnicity, age, gender, uh, sexuality or uh, religion and just uh, have better communities. I I love those points. I mean, I think that's true. Something that you mentioned, and to anybody that listens to this, right? I think that if they disagree with you on any issue, I I think that's a good thing, right? But I think that where it can become bad is if they don't reach out, they don't aren't willing to have genuine conversations. So I hope everybody listening out there, right, will listen to this, you know, and take it, uh, and you know, have conversations about about all of these issues with people. And I agree. I think that the family is obviously something that that is important. And it's not a a, a partisan issue, um, however that looks. But I think that's super important. And I love your your insights into that. And so thanks again for, for meeting and talking about all of these things. Um, I think that it's all super important. So thanks again, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Paul. And if anyone... Uh... Then call me at 435-890-5420. That's my number. So if you want to disagree with me and have a conversation, uh, I'll look forward to a text or a, or a call. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being willing to do that. I think that's 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 meaningful for uh, for people that listen or right, that want to have a conversation. I hope somebody will take the, uh, take you up on that offer. Um, but if they do, yeah, uh, we'll let see. me know. I think we'll that'd see. be uh, it'd be fun to hear about it. So thank yeah. you so much, Ryan. No problem, Paul. Have me on uh, again sometime. I'd always love to. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan.